Hello and welcome to another episode of The Partial Historians. It's episode 25. <gasps> I feel I feel like it's a milestone. We've finally reached full mental capacity adulthood. <laughs> um, Have we though? Oh, uh, well, yeah. that's anybody's guess. I am one of your intrepid hosts, Dr. Greenfield. And I'm quaking in my boots, Dr. Radford. <laughs> Are you? Indeed. We're heading into dangerous times, Dr. G. Oh, oh. The latter part of 69 AD. <laughs> ah, I know. We've got about three quarters of the year to go. We do. Yes. When we, we ended on a, on a bit of a high note, I was, well, if, well if the death of... Morally. Oh, morally. <laughs> not physically, I no. don't suppose. Um, the death of Otho. And so it would seem that those pesky, meddlesome troops have finally got their wish. In that Vitellius is the is the man standing at this point in Those time. Those Germans have been very loyal. Yes. Right since the start of the year. Now it's they their time their to shine. Yes, exactly. Vitellius <laughs> is the man standing. Yes, now who is Vitellius? Oh, some dude. Yeah. He's yeah. not from like the most noble family. He's no. not a Galba. No. But then again, he's not, you know, he's not like bottom of the heap either. His father was a consul under mm. Claudius. Mm. And Vitellius himself seems to have been quite friendly with Tiberius, Gaius, Claudius, and Nero. Yeah, yeah. So there seemed to be a family that sort of rise to some prominence mm. under the Julia Claudians. Yeah. And much like, I suppose, Otho in a sense, uh, Vitellius finds a particularly warm welcome at Nero's court because he, he too has some vices that he likes to indulge. <laughs> Uh, in fact, I believe he was even given the honour of presiding over one of the Neronia festivals. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that Vitellius. That speaks high acclaim. High acclaim, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Poor Vitellius. He doesn't come off very well in our primary source material. No, I suppose that's something we could probably talk about a little bit, in the sense that, obviously, you know, we sort of hinted at it last episode, we're going to have a, a true last man standing, as in standing for a significant amount of time. Yes. <laughs> at the end of all this. Which means that you, as a historian, uh, your tendency, I think, is to dismiss... Yes. The ones who make an unsuccessful claim. And well, and it's also the fact that, I mean, the history is obviously going to be written by that person. Oh, what? Yeah, and that person happens to be not just someone who manages to hold on to power himself for a time, mm. but he sets up a new dynasty, essentially. Um, so you would presume that of all the people who have ruled in 69, Vitellius is probably going to be the one to cop the most flack <laughs> because he's the guy that comes straight before. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say it, Vespasian. That's the guy. What? Yeah, what? I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to shock you. That's, but that is ruining the suspense yeah. right there. That is. Yeah. <laughs> so you would you would assume that he is copying most of the negativity because he's the guy that comes right before. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he's known as a man of many vices. Yes. Gluttony uh, being right up there. Gluttony <laughs> being the most particular and pernicious of yeah. them. I'm looking at his statue that you've got right in front of you yeah, right I now. Yeah, found some and nice statues of the chubby. Yeah, he is really chubby. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, it's, it's the sort of thing which tends to... It means that he cops a lot of criticism yes. in our sources. And, they, and because it's perceived as a vice, it also leads them into characterising him as yes. being vice-ridden in other ways. Yeah. Uh, and his physical manifestation is just a reflection of his inner sort yeah. of corruption, Debauchery. if you like. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, his very you know, soul. surprisingly, this doesn't seem to uh, be a problem for him contemporarily with the soldiers. I mean, they, they want him as the leader. Yeah, and it seems like he had actually... Um, he was at one point governing Africa... Um, and he seems to have actually governed 
with a lot of integrity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. seems to have done all right. Yeah, and uh, and then it's actually Galba who I think appointed him to his post in Germania. Oh yeah, and then laughed at him about it. Saying, yeah, <laughs> well, there's probably enough food there for anybody, including you. Um, and people so wonder why he wonder why Galba <laughs> didn't last very long. Yeah, well, there's those sort of snide remarks that would get you into trouble with anybody. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously, and obviously, as you say, he's able to win this really strong loyalty from his troops. Well, like yeah. like Otho, he seems to be quite generous. Mm. Uh, and he does seem to also be personally engaging. Yes. Some of the uh, suggestions from Suetonius are that he greets soldiers personally, so not just interacting with the officers, but... Kind of like Colin Farrell when he does that little speech at Alexander, <laughs> greeting like all his Macedonians going, ah, yeah. I remember you when you were fighting. I seem to be talking in a sport <laughs> shot for some reason, but I'm just going to go with it. I remember you fighting against the Persians at Tiresias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sort of one-on-one man bonding yes. uh, seems to have worked really well for Vitellius. Hey, you know what? It generally, I have to say that's one thing that always works, you know? It always seems to work. Caesar had it. Mm. Other people had it too. <laughs> other ex- <laughs> insert other examples here of your own choosing, folks. This is why I shouldn't go off on tangents. <laughs> Isn't it sad when bad things happen to good sentences? <laughs> all right. So in any case, his soldiers fight for him. Uh, it all goes really well at Bedriacum. Yes. Also, <laughs> nobly decides to get himself out of the way. Get himself out of the way. Yep. And this means How convenient. This means that the Senate decides to recognise Vitellius's claim to be imperator. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. We get this impression, don't we, that Vitellius um, assumes the uh, the power of the imperial position, but mm. he waits. It would seem until the Senate, I guess, ask him or give him the go ahead to take the titles of like Caesar yeah, or Augustus yeah, or that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so nice yeah, he enters Rome yeah. in July. Um, at that point in time, he seems to accept the name Augustus. Yes, and as well as take on the sort of the traditional things, the Pontifex Maximus position. Sure, which I don't think we mentioned for Galba and Otho, but they right. did do- go down that path as well. Yeah, for the, for the months that they were in power, <laughs> sure, they had a huge impact on the religious yeah, scene of Rome. He does refuse to take the name Caesar. Mm, yeah. uh, maybe he feels I don't know. Mm. Maybe he feels he hasn't earned it yet. Who mm. knows? Um, and he does, instead of using Freedman, which had been a rather unpopular move with Galba, he uses <laughs> equestrians to help him out. Ah, uh, yeah. And mm. he does, I think, a really clever move, which yeah. is dismiss a whole bunch of the Praetorians and replace them with his own legionaries. That does seem smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> given, given what's been going on with Praetorians and uh, guys claiming to be emperor up until now. Yeah. It exactly. seems wise to populate those ranks with your own men. Exactly. So that no one's unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> Clever. Yeah, and he um, he has there's these sort of uh, little stories which creep through, which seem to indicate someone who's trying to be reasonable, I suppose. Um, <laughs> in that apparently, when he had um, a clash with another senator, um, mm. Helvidius Priscus, um, he basically says to the Senate, um, "Oh, look, you'll have to just put this up to you know a clash between two senators. No big deal." Yeah, and there's. There's no move made against Priscus because he, you know, dared stand up to the emperor or anything like that. So that's that's got to be a good sign, right? Yeah. So I mean, he's got some potential. Yeah. Certainly. Um, he and seems he, willing to negotiate with others. Yeah, and he seems to also, like Otho, I suppose, um, be trying to, uh, I suppose, secure the support of any lingering Neronian supporters out there because mm-hmm. um, it's still you know only a relatively short amount of time since Nero died of course um, and so he, he does things like ask Sporus who had been a popular and beloved actor <laughs> of Nero's he asks um, him 
or he, she, I should say, to Ooh, perform. We're not yeah. really sure. Yeah. Um, to perform, but Sporus seems to think this would be not the right thing to do, so he suicides instead. But then the offer was out. <laughs> the offer was the out there. Yeah. yeah, very generous offer, yeah. but I think I'll just kill myself yeah. now. Um, yeah, yeah. Sporus was the... Was yeah. the, uh, the eunuch I think the eunuch actor yeah, that yeah. Nero had staged that fake <laughs> wedding with once upon uh, a time yeah ah, good times yeah. good times yeah um he does round up a whole bunch of people who had offered to yes. help Otho out with getting rid of Galba for instance so he, yeah. he clamps down on conspiracy as well yeah as one of the his wise measures move. wise move <laughs> Um, but he does also do some things which I think are particularly a little bit gross. Yeah, there had to be a, a catch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and again, Suetonius, how much can you trust him? But how much do you love him at the same time? Yeah. He gives his stories <laughs> like this. Um, so Vitellius arrives at the fields uh, of Petriacum after the battle. And it's... There are corpses everywhere. As you would expect. The, the stench is pervasive. Um, but he offers the following comment to those around him who aren't so pleased. The smell of a dead enemy is excellent. <laughs> and even better in civil war. Ew. And to lessen the effect of the smell, he then drank a large measure of wine in front of them and shared some around. <laughs> <laughs> Let's celebrate. <laughs> so, you know what's going to solve this problem, guys? A little bit of booze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't strike me as being a... But then again, you know, you have it's to kind wonder. Of, it's a kind of a little bit gross. It is gross. But is that just setting him up as being like completely the opposite of Otho, who'd rather die than <laughs> wage civil war? I, I think it's a, a bit of a criticism. Yeah, I think yeah. there's just a veiled criticism mm, there. Yeah, yeah, I feel absolutely, like Absolutely, yeah. Well, see, I like this a little bit. Um, he's allowed to put to death or otherwise punish anyone at all, without <laughs> distinction of persons or occasions. And he treated in this manner several noblemen, his schoolfellows and companions, whom he had by flattery enticed into his society, as if he were on the point of inviting them to share the empire with him. Uh, but instead, <laughs> they get death. <laughs> Let's be friends. Yeah. Oops, I slipped. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, he doesn't have the best... Poor Vitellius. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to be in the top job. I mean, you've got to have the right combination, clearly, uh, yes. which Galber and Otho did not have, of drawing people in and encouraging them to love you yes. and being able to put people aside that need to be dealt with. Yeah, and it seems that, uh, as you talked about before, that you know his vices you know, mm. are, are a problem, at least according to the sources. Um, you know, the, the kinds of goings on, the, the huge amounts he'd spend on food... Yeah. As you expect from someone who's a glutton. Um, <laughs> Not surprising. Yeah, exactly. The fact that he was rather into games. I mean, again, mm. this is something... Was he just trying to appease the people? Or? Yeah, well, this is, this is it. I mean, it's hard to know. I guess it depends on who's inviting to these feasts and, the, and to these games. Yeah. Um, but while Vitellius is hanging out in Rome and enjoying this sort of uh, I'm an emperor now... Uh, there are things going on in the background which are going to ultimately culminate in his downfall. Yes, exactly. And and to fully understand what's going on with this other stuff happening, um, we need to go back to Otho and the sort of the moment in time where he's facing the forces of Vitellius in the field and he thinks that he needs some more support. Yes. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? <laughs> the troops who are stationed in the east. Yeah, yes, I know. I, I know I'd call them. Yeah, let's there. face it, all the troops in the West from Germany, They're Spain, and Italy, <laughs> I mean, they've all been caught up already. They're yeah. kind of already too involved. They've picked their game. <laughs> um, the only troops left who haven't really sided with anybody yet 
are the Eastern Legions. Yeah, and these people, well, some of these people, are under the command of one Vespasian, I believe. Mm. Mm. And Vespasian's not the only one who's in command. No. There, there are a range of commanders, and there seems to be not necessarily a tussle between them, but a sort of a collusion about who might lead the whole group of forces rather yes. than have them going in dribs and drabs and just as standalone legions combining them all together. Which is very logical I have yeah. to say. Could have gone into a bloodbath. Yeah, after <laughs> after what seems like exactly. some negotiation yeah. Vespasian seems to be the one who's in charge of these forces nominally. Yes. Hmm. And so... So slowly, slowly the soldiers in the east are creeping west. (laughs) Inch by inch. (laughs) Vitellius has another meal. It's delicious. The soldiers in the east are creeping even further west. While Vitellius is getting up to these sorts of things, he administers his affairs during the greater part of the time entirely according to the pleasure and advice of the vilest among the players and the charioteers, (laughs) and especially of his freedman, Asiaticus. Yeah, yeah. Not a wise move. (laughs) So Vitellius comes up for the same criticism that Galba came up for as well, which is being advised by what senatorial Romans perceive as low lives. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is interesting because we've seen this whole progression over the course of the Julio-Claudian dynasty of an increasing reliance on court politics. Yes. And the people who are freedmen or slaves in your household having really high positions which is why administratively. Galba, yeah, which is why Galba probably executed one of Nero's freedmen who seemingly would be insignificant, mm. you would think, given his social status. But... But... There is the other side of that coin. Yeah, and so uh, we seem to have in our source material, on the one hand, the evidence that clearly the court politics is more and more relevant and increasingly an entrenched feature of how empire works in Rome. And yet the criticism levelled at it from our source material doesn't lessen at all over time. No. no, Uh, And in fact, it seems to be something that they go back to continuously as a point of critique. For each of these individuals. I know, because you have to wonder, like, seriously, how much impact could these people have when they're ruling for, like, three, six, eight months, you know? It doesn't matter. You're not doing it the right way. (laughs) Uh, The Senate seems... When will you learn? (laughs) Yeah, because our our source material primarily is senatorial in its nature. Yes. And and the criticism always seems to be that they've got too... That these would-be emperors have too many lowlifes hanging around them. Too many actors, too many freedmen, too many slaves, people who are influencing the decision, freedmen who are becoming equestrians, and that's that's a barrier that should never be sort of passed. That should take at least a couple of generations. For that to happen, and it's. But how do you function without them? Yeah, I'm like how as a Vitellius or an author or a Galba. How are you supposed to function without people around you to help you out? And there's that inbuilt bond between a freedman and his. Um, what's the word? Is there? Yeah. Well, are we heading back to the 69 territory? Maybe we are. (laughs) (laughs) You would presume that you know that you could trust those sorts of people because they're meant to have some sort of loyalty to you. Yes. Um, as they're I forget the word. Yeah, in, yeah. A, in, in a sea of troubles where you can't really trust a lot of people, surely the freedmen are the guys that you should be able to rely on. Patron, patron, that's the word I was looking for. Patronage? Yes, exactly. Oh. That's what I was looking for. Now, it, with all this talk of class, mm. it's quite interesting, I think, that Vespasian is this other card in the deck. Because Vespasian is Vespasian not... Vespasian is like a self-made man. He really is, yeah. Mm. He's not... The, um, you know, he wouldn't have been your first choice if you lined them all up. 
you would think not in the looks department that's for sure well mm, let's say slim pickings I think (laughs) (laughs) all around in 69 AD but uh, but yeah Vespasian's family background wouldn't immediately suggest him for this ultimate position of power no we don't I mean he doesn't come from anywhere significant as far as we can tell yes in fact I believe Suetonius says that uh, he must acknowledge that Vespasian comes from a house of obscure descent (laughs) no ancestral honours and in a way this is kind of exactly what Rome needs yeah, a fresh, a fresh start. <laughs> a right. really fresh start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can't even trace the guy's family history. And the Romans love that sort of thing. Yeah, but the, I mean, Vespasian's also an older man at this point in time. Oh, look, but I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, yeah. we're not dealing with guys who are of really disparate age. Like, no. If we're thinking, like, Galba is the oldest of this crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like 73 in 69. That's quite old. Yeah, we have Otho, and he's 38, and he's the young bunny of the crowd. Well, yeah. But yeah. he's still heading up towards like senatorial age sure like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, well, yeah these, these are all men with careers behind them yeah, yeah yeah Vitellius is like we're not quite sure when he was born so he's around about anywhere between sort of 54 and 58 yeah in 69 so and Vespasian himself is about 60 61 yeah exactly so he's been around for a reasonable time even though he is from this you know obscure family apparently yeah and so he also has um some previous connections with uh the Julio Claudian family. One of my favourite being that apparently during his uh, edelship, mm. uh, Caligula was angry at him for not keeping the streets clean, and so he uh, <laughs> seems to either have him thrown into mud or throws mud at him or something. <laughs> something like that, just to make oh, a point. Caligula, I miss you. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he does have that, you know, it's not quite as distinguished as the others perhaps, mm. but there is still like, those links as his career has progressed yeah. Yeah, you know, with the previous dynasty. So things come to a head for these guys. So yeah. Vitellius doing his thing in Rome, uh, Vespasian and the Eastern forces moving west. It comes to a head in October yeah. of 69. And again at Bedricum, a popular yeah. spot. This this year is full of <laughs> clearly full just of, yeah, like, yeah, it's good battleground maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody likes it. Let's meet there. Um <laughs> This time, though, Vitellius's troops are defeated. Oh, sad face. Mm. But it's not the end of the road for That's resistance. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Vitellius is sort of like, well, d- let's just retreat back to the city. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Vitellius is not going to do the, doesn't uh, give the noble up. suicide thing. No. He's like, it's unfortunate. I've lost this battle. Yes. But, uh, but we shall to- fight on. <laughs> yes. Back to home base. Exactly. So there's still that resistance within Rome itself. Now, the Flavians might be expecting, or Flavians, however you prefer to say it, they might be expecting to hear some sort of, I don't know, surrender or something. But, well, well, I mean, there is some negotiations which seem to take place with uh, Flavius Sabinus. And this is where Vitellius himself, isn't it, basically agrees to abdicate. Yeah, so Vitellius is sort of, the suggestion is that Vitellius sort of goes to Vespasian's brother and is like, Dude, I'll step down. Yeah. I'll get out of the limelight. And then we all good, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> all they need is, like, maybe a hundred million sisters. Yes. <laughs> and and I'll be out of your hair. You know what? This job, it's all yeah. yours. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit Pope Benedict. Um, <laughs> but the thing is... You can't just retire from being emperor. Yeah, Vitellius might be doing that. But what are the people supporting him doing? <laughs> Not that. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> oh, yes. Do continue. Yeah. Yeah, so there's still this sort of ongoing resistance it seems within Rome itself even after Vitellius himself has said you know it's all good I'm quite happy to step down 
from by now. Yeah, and so everyone's was, like, no, 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 exactly. Don't step it, down because he he goes as far as going out on in public to announce it. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm going to step down, and everybody's like, you're <laughs> crazy. Don't step <laughs> down. Yeah. And he's like. I was joking, joking, guys. (laughs) Lol. And sort of retreats back inside going, well, that didn't go so well, did it? I mean... (laughs) If only I wasn't so damn popular. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I feel like I really have the support of the people here. Like, Sabina, is there something we could do instead? (laughs) (laughs) No, apparently not. (laughs) No. Well, at least nothing that you're going to (laughs) like. Yeah, yeah. He's a man in trouble. Poor Vitellius. And and so, I mean, perhaps inevitably, yes. the troops arrive yeah. at Rome. The troops are at the gates. Yep. This is civil war in its in its most horrific yeah, form. I mean, troops um, at the gates of Rome. Troops that's at the gates of Rome. Pretty much as bad as it gets. Yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of the worst fear. Yeah. And it's happening right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh Vitellius seems to have been uh, wounded. Uh, quite substantially <laughs> by torture. <laughs> um, there's some conflicting reports. Yeah. <laughs> some mention multiple stab wounds. No. That's that's very oh, in keep, dear, keeping with the tradition. Isn't oh dear, it? I fell again. <laughs> Where do these swords keep coming from? <laughs> um, but in any case, in perhaps uh, an um, an ignoble end. Yes, he succumbs to his wounds. Yes, dies a lingering yeah. horrible death. Yeah. <laughs> So, and that's but nice. on, that's, the, on the happy that's side, in December that's late December 69 yeah. so it takes about two months for those troops yeah. to get from Bedraicum to finally arrive at Rome yep to get, everything to get sorted everything out everything to get sorted yeah. out Vitellius to get stabbed a lot wipe out that final bit of resistance yeah, yeah. put yeah. them all down convince them that really you should give up now yeah, yeah. and then, <laughs> and then the, you've got Sabinus who's like so I'm pretty sure like my brother is like in charge of this whole deal yeah <laughs> He's not here right now. I know he's not here, guys, but, like, let's wait for him. Yeah, I think it's totally worth waiting for I think, him. I think we should probably just sit it out. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah seriously. Do. And everyone's like, well, it's been a very trying yeah. year. You know what? Maybe we should maybe, just wait. Maybe we should just wait. <laughs> this guy seems to be quite popular with the troops of the East. And yeah. we've had enough of the troops of the West. It'd be really nice if we could all just take a break. Yeah. Have a kick cut. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what uh, the year 70 brings. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, essentially Vespasian ends up being the last man standing. Who mm. you? Mm. And uh, he will, oh yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> he will. Yeah, end up ushering in uh, a new dynasty. He will. Um, but before, before we head in that direction, yeah. I just have to mention, like, uh, so to be excited about something. Um, the Colosseum. Like, no, like Festals. Oh, oh, Vestals. Oh, <laughs> Vestals. So, like, um, Vitellius <laughs> is in Rome, right? So he's retreated. Right. And he's like, oh my God, like, the troops are coming. What am I going to do? He decides. And I think this is, as a as somebody who is interested in Vestal Virgins in particular, yeah. uh, decides on the really interesting move of sending Vestal Virgins as envoys uh, with messengers Smart move. out to these troops to yeah. try and negotiate somehow out of the impending... And we all know, if you're in trouble, there's no one to negotiate for you like a festival. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, obviously they understand politics. And yeah, clearly. <laughs> and importantly, I think the the inability of their bodies to be violated means yeah. that there's kind of like a safe haven. Exactly. So maybe, <laughs> so, handy. so maybe if you send them out with the messages, <laughs> maybe um, you also, the know, messages will survive. Stand behind them as yeah. well. <laughs> Hold, hug them while they're giving the message. Use a vessel as a bodily shield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I find that really curious. I mean, it sending, is interesting. Yeah. sending the vessels out outside of the city um, 
from my experience, highly unusual. Yeah, because of course, as we talked about in our in our episode on vessels, the vessels are meant to be watching the hearth and all. Yeah, <laughs> back well, on the home. Front. You can't send all of them. No, uh, <laughs> that would be crazy. Dog. That would be madness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so clearly, only some of them go. Yeah. Um, but this is one of those rare times where they they're sort of. It's suggested that they leave the city on some sort of diplomatic uh, mission. Diplomat, yeah, which is highly unusual. The only other times that they tend to leave the city are times where they're trying to save all of the sacred items because yes. the city's burning down. Yeah, and and it's really important <laughs> that to seems leave because yeah. it's like survival. Yeah, um, and the <laughs> that, idea that yeah. Vitellius might classify this mission as a survival mission, I think, that is really is quite interesting. interesting. I do like it. It does. It does remind me of when uh, Messalina, sensing things were going tits up for her, yeah. sent a vessel to send, Claudius. Send in the vessel. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you no know, no one things... else can save me now. <laughs> so I think that the moral to this story is you know things have gone terribly, terribly wrong uh, when it's time to send in the vessels to help you out. It is kind of sad to think though that both times the vessels are unsuccessful. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, they're not. The I'm vessel. not going to dwell on the yeah. failure. <laughs> Well, next time, Lizards, we we decided we're going to uh, embark on this new line of emperors. Ooh. So you're in for some Flavian fun. Or Flavian fun. Exactly. Indeed. You're going to, <laughs> we're going to be building Colosseums, and there might be an eruption, a very famous one that ties in with a movie that's just come out. <laughs> I feel like we have to go to the cinema. I know. <laughs> exciting times, exciting times. We look forward to seeing you then. Farewell. Farewell.